Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, we want to remind everybody that our Regathering 2022 event is coming up at Kuiper's Family Farm. It's 20 days away, so if you have not registered yet, please go and do that. We would love to see you there. Guys, this is happening at Kuiper's, so they've got all the like family festivities, right? Like the food, the snacks, the pig races, all of those kind of festivities. What are what are kind of what are some of the things that you guys guys like to do when you go to places like that? Before I answer, mm-hmm. <laughs> why are you laughing, Clay? It's, it's, it's like you're just waiting for whenever, it. <laughs> whenever uh, we ask something or there's like something going on, it's like, who knows? Ferris is going to take this on a left turn right? and then we don't know what's coming. He didn't tell uh, us he was going to say this. Okay. So for those of you that listen to this podcast that do not live geographically anywhere near us, you like the podcast, but you're not a part of Christ Community Church, you get a pass. Like, we're not talking to you about regathering. If you came, we'd love to have you. But for those of you that, do participate in Christ Community Church or do live geographically near us and you don't have your tickets yet, what are you doing? What, <laughs> what, days away. what could on, possibly people. be in your mind that would be any kind of legitimate excuse to not be there at that place on that day for what's going on? So hit the website. That's right. Get your tickets. And who knows? Like there's there's 7,500 tickets. That's it. That's it. That's as large a crowd as we can have there that day. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know. When you go on the website, it tells you when you click get tickets, there's a little number if you look for it that tells you how many tickets are remaining. I don't know. There, It might be time, everybody. If you wait till the day before, you might be disappointed. Yeah, that's that's a good word. Okay, so what is, what is fun what, about- yeah, what, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? All right. I, I love corn mazes. Mm-hmm. But what I love about them is not necessarily me walking through them. I love walking through corn mazes when children are lost and they're starting to panic. And what's even what's even fun? <laughs> oh, okay. What's uh, what's funnier to me is when a grown adults start to panic and they're because they're lost in a corn maze. It's like it's like you're not in the middle of nowhere. You're gonna get out. There's a lot of people around, but the the irrational fear of being lost in a corn maze, I find. Very, very enjoyable. I can just picture like Eric somewhere in the corn maze or even outside of the corn maze, hearing a child screaming, like crying, like they're, they're, that they're lost and they're never going to get out. And him just with this big smile on his face. Can you, can you picture that? And this is what I came for. No, if the kid is crying, I have empathy. But if a kid is with their parents and they're starting to get like that, I like or the freak the out. I mean, it's the adult. It's the adult. I like the freak out moment. And... I think we've talked about this on the podcast, and I'm sure there are videos out on social media, but the Kuiper's Corn Maze this year is a custom Christ Community Church Corn Maze. So there's, amazing. There's drone footage of it. So if you haven't seen it yet, hit our social media sites and look for it. It just amazes me that they actually could do that. Like, that's so fascinating to me. Well, they did when they planted, right? Yeah, but I just, I, I just, like, so they didn't cut it that way, right? I don't know exactly how they do it. I think they plant just a full cornfield, and then there's. This is the best I understand. We might have. We might need to have Joe Kuipers come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, tell, this would be a good special yeah, guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they plant the whole cornfield, like the rectangle, uh-huh. and then there's a computer program yeah. where, where you do the graphic, and then it plots it out on the acreage. And I think what they do is they just keep cutting those paths through. Huh. They keep tilling the soil. So I'm I'm not 100%, but maybe they don't plant corn hmm. where, they, where they don't want it. But it's some, it's some computerized thing that tells you yes, where to plant, be. cut, do something. Yes. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's fascinating. All right, Clay, uh, my, my, the thing I like at those kind of places is the food. Um, so, you know, caramel covered apple or, you know, a funnel cake or something like that. But um, at Kuiper's, the donuts. Oh my gosh, the yes. donuts. So do we, wait, did I hear that we need to like uh, order those ahead of time? You yeah. don't have to, but you can. You when you, can. When you, when okay. You, when you register for your tickets for the event, there's a few links there. There's links if you want to volunteer at the event. There's links if you want to donate to cover the cost of throwing the event because the event is free. Uh, there is a link to pre-order your and pay for your donuts online. So when you show up that day, you just go to their store with your online purchase validation and your donuts are just waiting for you so you don't mm-hmm. have to wait in line mm-hmm. you don't have to fight the crowds mm-hmm. you I just did that. show up mm-hmm. and get you already did that i did that I've got, I've got a dozen of donuts with my name on them <laughs> a dozen of donuts. <laughs> dozen right. of donuts a dozen of donuts okay all right so you did said, you say what you're looking you for said the food okay so mine is like the animals there's always usually like some sort of a petting zoo there that's got little, little baby tiny goats there's and like there's petting zoos at Kuiper's, yep. and geese um, so to me, that's always fun. You get to the food and you get to have them nibble it out of your hand. It's disgusting at the same time, but fun. Yeah. In fact, when we were, we were out there for one of our yep. many site visits to plan the event and near the field where we're worshiping is one of their huge animal <laughs> pens and it has ducks these, these and, giant geese. and geese that are so loud. So I had to look at Joe Kuipers and be like, yeah, those geese and our worship event. Yeah. Someone's going to have to move. <laughs> gotta move it. Yeah. They, they were quite loud. They did not like us there. So. All right, Clayton, tell us what we're looking at today. All right, we're looking at uh, 2 Thessalonians. So last week we did a passage from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Today is the sequel. So 2 Thessalonians is a follow-up letter that Paul wrote to this church. Uh, He had written some things before that they had questions about and kind of follow-up things. And so he is uh, addressing some of those those things that he had. And uh, we're going to start right at the beginning here. Oh my, what's going on? It's time for... Comma tip of the week. So we are in a New Testament letter. It's also referred to as an epistle. And it is a style of writing. When you write a letter, it is it is a genre. It is, it is a style of writing. And the Bible has a wide variety of genres. And different genres read differently. You don't read Ikea furniture directions the same way you read a poem. They operate in different ways. So you, this is one of the problems that people run into when they're reading the Bible. They, they might read everything just completely literally. Well, if you're reading something that's meant to be figurative and it's actually, uh, you're reading it literally, you, you run into problems. So on biblesavvy.com, we have all of the tips and all of the how-tos for read different to read different genres of the Bible. So we are in a New Testament letter or epistle, and if you're wondering how the heck do you read one of those, then just go to biblesavvy.com, and there's some help there for you. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, so we are going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to start right at the beginning and do the first 12 verses. So Eric, you want to read that for us? Let's do it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silas, And Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from the God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. 
God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you've believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we're going to start with O, observation. This is where we look and we see different things here, whether they're repeating words, whether they're truths about God, whether they're overarching themes or things that simply strike us. So what do you guys see today? Um, well, going off of the something striking thing, um, there's a lot of vivid, vivid imagery in here. So there's you know, this idea that Jesus is going to be revealed from heaven and blazing fire with powerful angels and that he wants to be, he's coming to be glorified in his people and to be marveled at. Like, those are um, very, like, beautiful things. And then I can also think very, like, uh, like awestruck, like, fall on my face type of things because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is happening. Yeah. The first thing that stuck out to me is in verse three, where it says, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. What stuck out to me is the word increasing, that things aren't static, that things grow, things evolve. And so you can have a group of people who are growing in their knowledge of the Lord and their love for one another can actually increase. You can, you can look back and say, hey, we're in a better place now than we were six months ago or a year ago. Uh, my observation is a truth about God, um, and it was also striking to me just because it's like the shortest sentence in here. I don't know if you noticed that some of these sentences were very long, uh, but in verse six, it just says, God is just, um, and that's just a basic truth about God. Uh, he's just, and what, what we mean by that is that he, when he makes judgments, they're always right. Like he does the right thing. He doesn't, you know, uh, let off somebody who should be punished and he doesn't punish people uh, who, who shouldn't be, and uh, he gets it right. So he's a, a just God. One of the things I thought was interesting is in verse four, um, Paul says, therefore, among God's churches, we boast. And he said, it, like, when you think of the word boast, I think it's usually um, kind of like, it's thought of as like a very prideful word. Like, I'm not going to be boastful about myself or something I've done or something. But in this case, it seems as if Paul and Silas and Timothy, whoever, you know, all three of them, right, are talking about this church and saying, our brothers and our sisters are going through this. It's more of like a, let me tell you about what the rest of our family is going through. Let me tell you about how they're handling it. It's not a prideful thing, but it's actually just telling the story of what they're going through and saying, you can, you can, if they can endure this, then you can too. Yeah. I even just think of that, that context that's there. Um, this is one of the things when you're reading a letter 
that you want to pay attention to the situation that they're, the author is writing to. Cause it's not just a, it's not like a generic, I'm going to throw it out there and tell you my advice kind of thing. Uh, it's not like a, you know, a treatise to the world. It's saying th- this group of people have a particular thing going on right now. And I'm talking about that. So mm-hmm. to read this whole thing, knowing that, Paul is thinking about the, the persecution they're facing and the way they're enduring that and how hard it is for the people in uh, Thessalonica to be going through what they're going through. Uh, it changes the tenor even of the rest of the the passage where you're like, dude, there's a lot of stuff about like judgment and things being shut out. Like, But he's writing to a group of people who are really suffering um, and, and are, are really being oppressed. So that changes how you see even the other things that are more intense. Another observation, the second half of verse six, you you refer to the first half, which says God is just. And then he says, he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well, which, which is interesting because it's almost like the next sentence now, he's answering the question that he know will be in their mind, which is when. Mm. And when, when you read... When you read the scriptures and you 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 hear and you learn about the ethic of Jesus when he says things like, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. It sounds very welcome mat or like doormat-ish, like I'm not just supposed to let people run all over me. But the Christian doesn't have to run around and try to make things right and get revenge and make sure people get their comeuppance because it says God will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So essentially he's saying you you don't do that. You, you leave that in the hands of God, but yes, well, when God, when are you going to do it? If God is so good and powerful, why does he let all of this stuff continue to go on? Well, the answer to when is this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. One day Jesus comes back and he makes all things right. I think about that, that not uh, getting revenge thing. Um, I, it always makes it helpful when I think of like my kids. If one kid is saying that, you know, the other kid did this to me and then they try to do the punishing, it doesn't go well. But the reason they don't have to do that is because mom or dad can step in and they can trust mom or dad to put things right, to do the discipline that's appropriate at that time. Um, It's not because there's no discipline. It's not because there's no judgment. Uh, It's because there actually is, but it comes from someone who is going to be fair about it, uh, that you can say, I don't have to do it myself because the fair judge is going to come in and take care of it because I know it's going to happen. If it wasn't going to happen, well, then you know what? Smack away, Lydia, (laughs) you know? Smack away, (laughs) Lydia. Oh, did you just call Lydia out on the podcast? Uh, No, well, maybe maybe just a little, but it could have been any of them. It could have been any of them. I I was actually thinking that this is a t-shirt that we should be making. Oh. Smack away, Lydia. <laughs> we just start, I don't think my kid needs to see that. How see about that we just start making church. obscure t-shirts <laughs> that nobody knows what they mean but us. What else do you see? Um, I noticed verse 11, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you, um, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Um, I think what's interesting there is that he didn't say, uh, bring to fruition your every desire. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's your every desire for goodness because obviously we can have desires that are not uh, in accordance with God's will, right? Um, and then every deed prompted by faith. Again, it's like, how am I, how am I thinking? How am I speaking? What am I doing? That is uh, is a working out of my faith onto others and onto God. But also this that concept of constantly praying for you. Um, like, that's a commitment, right? Like to, to pray for, um, to pray for the people in our lives. Like I think of you guys, right? Like your dads, I'm sure you pray for your kids 
right? And for other people in your lives, um, praying for like that, hopefully like they would make a choice to, you know, follow faithfully, you know, and follow God faithfully. Um, how, How often I think do I forget to pray for people for like their salvation, that they would continue to walk faithfully with God. Like, I, I forget that sometimes. Because um, oftentimes I think about that when it's someone in my life that is not a believer. Like, I pray that they would come to faith. But then sometimes I forget to constantly pray for people that are walking in the faith. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's easy to overlook the most basic things. Yeah. Which, which leads me to my next observation from verse 9. It's somewhat connected to what you just said. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. That's sobering, and it happens. Yeah. And it's everlasting. There, there is a moment in time when Jesus comes back where time, time is no longer on your side. Like, it is, there are no redos at that point. No do-overs, no, oh, wait a minute, hold on. It's, that's the moment, and it's everlasting, and it's being shut out from the presence of the Lord. Uh, you know, how... I don't know when it happened, but at some point in the last, I don't know, I, I've, only, I've been walking with Jesus since when I was 15. I'm 47, 48 now. So that's what, 30 something years, 20, uh, do the math for me. <laughs> I don't, I don't got math me a, is math, hard. a math degree. Numbers is hard. A while. At some point we stopped talking about heaven and hell. Right, it's it was the whole like we were so worried about being like the fire and brimstone angry preacher that was just trying to scare people out of hell that it was like that we threw out the baby with the bathwater and stopped warning people that there really is such thing as being shut out from the presence of the Lord forever that one day Jesus is coming back. I think about the uh, the reason that sounds harsh to people is often that they don't actually see the like the damage wrought by sin. So I just think it's interesting when you're, you're writing to a group of people that are getting persecuted for their faith. So they're being ostracized. There's people being killed all those sorts of things. It suddenly becomes very, very clear the damage that sin does. So uh, an analogy that, that often helps me, like we, people are like, ah, well, really God's going to punish us forever. Like he's going to, he's going to shut us out. Um, I always think about like, if, if you were entrusted with something and you you broke it. You 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 deliberately like uh, destroyed it or did something wrong with it. Um, what would the consequence be? So if I if I lend you a book and you write in it, you rip a page out or whatever. Well, I I might be a little upset, but like I'm gonna just say, are right, you gonna pay for the book? Right? It's not gonna be that great of cost. But if if I said I'm gonna lend you my car and you do something stupid and you crash my car, well, the, suddenly like the the level of intensity goes up. Um, if I if I trust you with my kid. And you do something negligent or you do something abusive to my kid. Well, we're in a totally different category there. Uh, when you think about what God says is, I'm going to trust you with my world. I'm going to trust you to love the people around you. I'm going to put people in your care. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, put you in a place where you, your actions make a difference in my world. Then all of a sudden, like the stakes are a lot higher to say God trusted us with his world and with the people around us. And look at what we've done to them. Um, for God to come back and say, all right. Let's do an accounting for the fact that you did this to my children. Um, it suddenly doesn't feel like a disproportionate response. Uh, it, it, it starts to make a little bit more sense because uh, sometimes people look at their actions and they say, well, oh, really, is God, does God care that much about that? What's the big deal? Um, but it is when you realize how, how, how high the stakes are. 
All right, let's talk about uh, uh, meditation. So the first M in comma, well, really there's two, they can go in either order, but we're gonna do meditation for the first time uh, today. And this is just 45 seconds of uh, prayerful thinking about some section of the passage here. And I'm gonna look at verse 11, um, because this is kind of where Paul concludes. He kind of gives this sort of like, and so because of all this, here's what I want you to hear. And it's this blessing, okay? So he says, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Take about 45 seconds, grab a part of that, pray and ponder it. Let's talk about the second M in comma, which is message. Based on our observations, what message do we get out of this? I'll base my message on the meditation that you had us do from verse 11, that by his, by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So my message is, as you engage in the things of God, you're not engaging alone. Hmm that by his power, he may bring to fruition. There are results, there are benefits, there are good things that happen in us and through us as we engage, because it's not just us, we're doing it with the power of God at our backs. Oh, that was good. Um, my Thanks, <laughs> I thought of that all by myself. I, I think the Holy Spirit had something to do with that too. Um, I didn't think of that all by myself. <laughs> I thought of that by his power. There you go. <laughs> that he's bringing to fruition every desire for goodness and every deed prompted by faith. Um, mine was also based on 11. I was going to take that direction, but because he did it, I'll, I'll go to the other one I was gravitating towards. So the constantly praying for you um, is just that, that idea of do like make sure you constantly have someone praying for you. Um, whether that is, you know, someone in your church, someone in your family, uh, a spouse, someone, just make sure you constantly have someone praying for you. Ask. Uh, my message is, it's just the, the really straightforward one. God will judge his enemies. Um, it's the, the sobering part of this passage, uh, but it's a, it's a reality um, that he's going he's gonna, to uh, not let it linger. Um, there will come a day when he, he brings judgment. And, and, and I would say that's a good thing. You know, it's a scary thing to be on the wrong side of it, but it's the right thing for, for Jesus to come set the world right is what we really need in the long run. All right, let's talk about application. What do we do in light of these messages? Well, I'm going to jump in here because I think I just, I said that my message and it was actually kind of like my application too. Do you notice I've been doing that lately? Which we always say like sometimes they kind of like blend into each other, right? Um, I just, I think that it's really important 
to make sure that you have people in your life that are praying for you. So you ask if that's somebody in your community group, like I said, friend, family member, let people know what it is that you're going through. Let them know how they can be praying for you and interceding on your behalf. That's always going to happen. I mean, like even for us, like you guys constantly have people praying for you when you're up there teaching. We've got people praying for, over our services. We've got people praying over everything that our hands touch essentially. So why not have people praying over us and for us? I want people praying for me when I'm in the corn maze. Yes. That I might. I'm going to pray for that child that's crying that you're laughing at. No, not for the crying child, for me to find my way out. (laughs) I just want to set the record straight on this. I do not mock crying children. I'm joking. (laughs) Come on down. He's finally getting picked on and he can't take it. at At least not in public. As so far as I will admit. Oh, man. Um... My application is actually based on Clayton's message about uh, judgment. And we know that it's uh, the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. Uh, His love draws us. And so we don't have to scare people into acknowledging Jesus. Uh, But if we love people, we are going to warn them that there is such thing as a second coming. There is a God that created this world that is watching. He does care. Uh, and it is unkind, not loving, to not warn people if destruction is coming their way. My application is is, is very similar, and I think I'd put it this way. Um, if, if God's going to judge his enemies, then we should not be afraid to have or to love our enemies. So I think, I think about the Thessalonians. So part of the reason Paul is telling them this it's because they're facing people who are persecuting them and they're asking the question, is God going to do anything about this? And I think sometimes the things uh, that we are often afraid of is doing things that might uh, make someone in our world uh, oppose us in some way. Now, very few of us are going to provoke the kinds of response that the Thessalonians are getting, but we, we know that there are things that we could say or do that might get some pushback, might get some, um, you know, side eye for, for doing it. Um, but the, the, we shouldn't be afraid to do those things because God's going to take care of that, right? Like he's going to settle that. Um, but at the same time, the fact that we know judgment is coming should also make us love the people who might treat us that way all the more to say, I'm, I'm not afraid that if I do something, it will make an enemy because Jesus will take care of it. But I'm also not afraid to love them because I, like, like Ferris was saying, I want to I warn them of the reality and I want to make sure they know. And, I, and, and what I would love is instead of when Jesus comes back, that, that they, they deal with, that's when that sin gets deal, dealt with. I want to get dealt with now that they say, you know what? I don't need to face judgment. I will, I will bow my knee now rather than when I'm forced to bow later. Um, that's what we want. We want to love people to the place where they say, actually, when Jesus comes, that's going to be good news for me uh, rather, rather than bad news. That's good stuff, guys. All right, well, thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com. Why are you still listening to this outro? Why aren't you registering for Regathering 2022? Outros are terribly boring. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast.bibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.